Welcome in to the Dynasty Zone here. This is Steve coming at you. Um, this week I have some draft steals that I think people need to be aware of, things to think about, and guys I'm personally targeting to try to get in as many drafts as I possibly can. All right, starting off, I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. Uh, he's been a popular pick. A lot of guys are already on to him. He's going to probably cost you a first-round pick, but he's right at the end of the first. I think that's a little bit low for what we're getting here. He's really landed in a great spot in San Francisco. He's kind of a jack of all trades. He's a very good route runner for just coming out. Uh, after the catch, he's going to be hard to catch, hard to bring down. He's built like a running back and really just jumps off the screen at you as the best player on the offense that South Carolina had, and they knew it. Uh, he really he was able to beat good defensive backs consistently, guys that are getting drafted in the first and second rounds of the draft. Uh, if you can you can go and watch him uh, against Rocky Sin that got drafted in the second round by the Colts, and he's beaten him pretty consistently uh, in the senior practices that they had. Uh, he's very quick off the line. Just when the ball is going, he's he's boom, he's ready to go. I think that's a big thing that people are going to underestimate and understand that Jimmy Garoppolo has a very quick release, so he he won't need a whole lot of time just to get off to get open to get the ball in his hands and make that play. Um, for his ceiling, I know it's not going to happen in rookie year, but if you kind of look at the what Pierre Garçon was able to do in Washington in 2013, the second year that Kyle Shanahan was with that offense as RG3 as a quarterback, he had 181 targets, 113 receptions, 1,346 yards, and five touchdowns, averaged out to be about 84.1 yards a game. And I think that's probably his absolute ceiling. And if you look at the measurables between him and Garçon, they're just about the same height, weight, and exactly the same 40 times coming out of college. I mean, that's just a whole whole lot of things that are similar to their game. So for him to be comped like that, I don't think is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they, Jimmy Garoppolo and an ascending offense, I mean, they, they desperately need wide receiver targets to go around. Dante Pettis is there. I get that. I don't think he's... He's not a bad player, but I don't see him as a true number one either. I think he's kind of they're kind of going to switch in and out of the slot, which I think they like the versatility, and that's part of the reason they made him a second-round pick. Uh, I just I see a whole lot of positives coming here, and at the end of the first round, I think that that's a great spot to be able to get Debo from, and I think you're going to be happy with him even starting year one. Uh, I'm I'm loving him. I traded back up in the first in one of my drafts to get him. Uh, go get Debo. You won't regret that. Uh, next guy is Daniel Jones. People are really sleeping on him, I think. The opportunity he has is just great, and he's just being undervalued big time in fantasy drafts right now. He's going as the... Oh, it's like 25th. Nope, he's fallen to 29th in ADP, which is the third round. Uh, this is I'm looking at just a one QB board, but in Superflex, I've seen him going in the middle of the second. Uh, a couple times late in the first, people are finally figuring that out. But just understand the system that he's going to is huge. Uh, just West Coast, it's going to be a lot of short throws. I mean, they didn't get rid of Odell for no reason. He just doesn't quite fit what they want to do, even though he's a fantastic talent and one of the best receivers in the league. But just understand, they just didn't think that the fit for the team was what they wanted, so they traded him to get something out of it. Uh, he is one of the best running backs in the lead with Saquon Barkley. He can dump it off to Saquon 50, 60 times a year minimum, and he's going to get all those stats when Saquon runs for whatever. I mean, you don't have to be a great quarterback to throw a screen pass. Let's just be honest here. 
Uh, they've worked on their offensive line over the last year, which I think is important. Uh, they struggled a little bit last year, and they've really made the effort to build that up to protect him and Eli, whoever's going to start back there for however many games, just to try to make sure that they have time to do what they need to do and to give running room to Saquon. Uh, he's got a good pass-catching tight end in Evan Ingram. He's got a good slot receiver in Golden Tate. And he has decent outside receivers that people probably are going to underestimate and will probably have better years than they think. He won't be rushed to play. So he's got Eli in front of him, however long Eli is going to last. Uh, he didn't. Eli didn't have near as bad of a season last year as people want to say. They want to say he's done, he's toast, or whatever. But he finished last year with 4,300 yards passing, a 66% completion percentage, which is a career high for him in the whole time he's been in the league. And he went 21 to 11 for touchdown interceptions, which was good for a QB 16 finish in fantasy terms last season. Daniel Jones is going to come in younger, probably have a little better arm, and is much more mobile than Eli. Uh, if you kind of look to see what uh, Shermer was able to do in Minnesota with, um, why can't, I can never even remember his name. That's the saddest part about it. Uh, after Bradford got hurt, um, he came in and he had a really, really good start to the season there. And it was actually, he's, his numbers are similar. So I think that the fact of coming in to a Shermer offense, I don't know that it necessarily you need to be the most talented guy, but you're going to have a 66-67% completion percentage. You're going to be able to get the ball out into your playmakers' hands and let them do the work for you. That's all Daniel Jones needs to be is a distributor. I thought he was the smartest quarterback coming out, and I he doesn't have to be a fantastic uh, – he doesn't have to be the physical guy that people think he is. I think the rushing upside I think will be sneaky for him. And I think that if you're getting him in the middle of the second, middle to late second round in your in your rookie drafts, I think you're getting a steal here. Um, I think that he's a good guy to be targeting there, especially in a super flex league where quarterbacks are worth much more. Uh, my next guy is Daryl Henderson. He goes to an elite offense with the Rams. They have a very good offensive line to run behind. Uh, he doesn't necessarily need 20 touches a game to be effective. I think if he can find 10 to 15 touches somewhere in there, that that's that's going to be his sweet spot. And Gurley can handle the other 15 to 20 tar touches a game. I don't think that's – you're not just going to see one or the other. But I think they are able to scheme Henderson in here and be effective with what they need to do. And I think getting him early in the second to middle of the second, that's just going to be an absolute steal, and you're going to be happy. He's going to produce year one. Uh they're going to put him out as a wide receiver. They're going to have him and Gurley in the backfield at the same time. I mean, this is a guy that averaged 8.9 yards a carry last season at Memphis. I mean, maybe not going against SEC-type defenses, but anybody averaging 9 yards a carry, that's not anything to scoff at, even in college football. That's huge. I mean, he's a big play waiting to happen. I think he can be effective. If you kind of look at this offense the way people are like, well, he's just the backup to Gurley. So people thought Tevin Coleman was just going to be the backup to Devonta Freeman too, and look what he put up the year that they were both healthy and running through the NFC South really well. So I think that's all you need is 8 to 15 touches a game for Henderson, and you're going to get your, you might get RB2 numbers week to week um, in PPR leagues. I think that's going to be definitely a good value to get it uh, towards the beginning of the second to middle of the second round. Uh, my next guy up is going to be Devin Singletary. 
I don't think he's going to do a whole lot in year one. So even if you're not able to draft him in this upcoming draft, maybe a guy to target for next year early before they draft again. Because I think that with Shady being older and kind of wearing down and Frank Gore going to be the ageless wonder, I think this is his backfield to start over, start taking over next season uh, in 2020 as the the three down back there. Uh, he's He doesn't get tackled for a loss. If you watch the college tape, he is always moving, always getting upfield. He's not going to maybe burst off those 60-yard gains like some people will. He doesn't have that speed to get crazy but he just he'll get you five six yards consistently and I think that's really underrated and people are going to be he's going to be able to catch the ball too Um, he had three years of 1,000 yards rushing and 67 total touchdowns in three years that's an average of 22 touchdowns a season I just think about that I don't believe there was any guys in college football that came out that had more than 67 touchdowns in their careers Uh, he had like 32 or 34 five or something two years ago and he led the led the nation and it was just insane he still had 22 last year so uh, he's also if you look at the offense they're building they have fast receivers on the outside they have a quarterback that can run and they have he's got a cannon as well so he's not going to come up against defenses with stacked boxes very often otherwise josh allen's gonna be able to burn him so just kind of understand yeah understand that they're basically, you're not going to have stack boxes and Singletary is going to be able to run and be able to pick up four or five yards consistently in that offense. Um, definitely ascending. I think they're a, a top end receiver away, maybe in the draft next year, being a really dangerous offense. And I really like them. Um, so Devin Singletary late in the second, I think is a good pick. Uh, Reichwell Armstead is my next guy. He's getting taken right at the beginning of the fourth round. Uh, I think that's I think his value is way too low right now, and people people really see Fournette as having this backfield. It's his backfield, but I think that they're kind of getting tired of his act, and he hasn't really produced. He hasn't been very effective. He gets stats because he's so his volume, and they're such a run-heavy offense. So just kind of understand that I don't know that Fournette is the guy that's going to be there next year. And I think Armstead, if you're drafting him in the beginning of the fourth and he could possibly be the starter next year for one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL, I think that's a huge deal. And I think uh, they upgraded quarterback, so they have Nick Foles this year, which you can go back and forth. I mean, Bortles just wasn't able to be consistent enough last year to really keep guys honest. And so with Armstead coming in, with Nick Foles, uh, I just I think that they won't be able to load the box near as much as they were. And understand, if you haven't really seen him, he came from Temple. The guy can move. He's 220 pounds, and he ran a 4.4540 at the Combine. I mean, that's, that's a combination of size and speed that I can get behind, and if you're hitting a guy that hard with that much weight, I think it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, they have Alfred Blue as their direct backup right now, and understand that he's not the most talented guy. He's an okay backup, but he's never going to win you the starter job. He's not going to win you games, but he won't lose you games either. So I think Armstead can fill in right to be that direct backup for Fournette. He might not get all the work right away, but just understand like the opportunity there with him is just, just the same as Singletary, where you might be seeing this guy a little bit in year one, but I think year two is really where he could possibly explode and be a difference maker in Dynasty for you. Uh, they also, the Jags 
want to win with running the ball and playing defense. They have an elite defense that people thought was a letdown last year, but it was still a top five unit. And they're just going to want to basically burn other teams into the ground and run the ball and wear them out and keep the other offense off the field as much as they can as well. I think that that's just a rare combination to find in today's NFL. And just the situation, basically the teams I'm looking for at running backs right now are probably the Jags, Dallas with Zeke, the Bengals, I think, with uh, Mixon. I mean, Rams run a lot with Gurley. They throw a lot as well. Uh, I think, I mean, if there are certain backfields you're just looking for and you know what they're going to be year in and year out, and I think that Armstead falls into a great situation here with Jacksonville. Uh, Josh Oliver, I'm going to stay in Jacksonville with him. He's a tight end. He got drafted there. Uh, 56 receptions in four years and four touchdowns last year with San Jose State. Uh, he's a, People just don't know him because he's a small school guy. He was 6'5", 250 pounds, and he ran a 4.63 at the Combine, so he's very athletic. Uh, Nick Foles likes to target his tight ends. He had Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. We all know his name. Uh, so, I, I mean, I just I see it being a nice situation for him. There's really nothing else there. I don't know if I could name you another tight end on their roster just off the top of my head. So just kind of – and I know that tight ends don't pan out for year one. But just this is a guy coming in, you're picking him in the fourth or fifth rounds that he could end up being a top 12 tight end pretty easily within a year or two. And I just, I think that that kind of upside is a guy that I'm going to reach for in those later rounds that is just going to be a dart throw anyway. So why not have a high upside guy there? Uh, Divina Zigbo, uh, one of my Husker homers here, uh, he had a great opportunity signing with New Orleans. I don't know that there's a better backfield to go to. They run the ball way more than people ever realize. Even with Alvin Kamara there, just understand that they're going to have that goal line back and they're going to have a guy behind him that's still going to get plenty of touches. Could he take over and be better than Murray in year one? I think it's possible. It might not be probable, but New Orleans has a penchant for finding these UDFAs and turning them into all pro guys. Seems like it running back. I think they just they have the right system, and I think they got their guy in Divine, and I think that he's definitely a guy to look at and understand what his talents are there. He's 235 pounds, so he's built for that bruiser back, and he's going to be very hard to tackle. He was plenty quick. Last year at Nebraska, he averaged seven yards a carry, which was huge, and he got to 1,000 rushing yards, which we haven't seen for a while. Uh, people thought he should have been drafted. He was a top 10 running back by a lot of rankers in this class. So the fact that he went undrafted and got to kind of choose where he went, which I think ended up working out better for him than maybe getting drafted to a backfield that's not going to have as much upside as New Orleans will. Uh, he's a better receiver than people realize. He caught 23 balls last year for 203 yards. I mean, being able to move and catch that way, I just I think that he's exactly what New Orleans is looking for. And I think he could overtake Murray this year and be a guy that's going to produce right away. Uh, so make sure you look out for Divine if you're in that fifth round and he's still on the board. That's definitely a guy that I would think about taking, especially for year one, possibly, and maybe even more so for year two. Uh, the quarterback that I want to try to get to is Ryan Finley. Uh, people don't really know him. He was kind of quiet being drafted in the fourth round of the Bengals. Uh, he'll probably be behind Andy Dalton to start, but understand the Bengals have a new coach and they drafted a quarterback, and you can say the fourth round isn't early, but it's also not late. So 
They said they really liked him, the way he got up on the board and was able to call out plays. He's he's a pro-ready guy. He knows he's run a pro system. He can understand and read defenses. Uh, he had his center was drafted very high. He had Kelvin Harmon, which people thought should have been drafted higher. Uh, wasn't drafted until the sixth for whatever reason that they thought. Uh, he, he had a running back that is probably going to be drafted in a year or two. So he was able to make the best of the situations he had. Uh, his accuracy last year, he was a 72.2% guy at North Carolina State last year, which was very good ranking in the NCAA overall. Um, so understand what the Bengals are trying to do here. Uh, with Coming from the McVay tree, he is he drafted offensive line to start, so they know that keeping the quarterback upright and establishing a strong run game is what they need to do in this offense for sure. And then they took Drew Sample with their second overall or their second pick in the second or their first pick in the second round and people don't want to think they don't they think well he can't catch he's nobody takes a blocking tight end in the second round you can be the best blocking tight end around and you still don't get picked in the second round understand that sample in college at washington was targeted 25 times and he had zero drops so that's the guy can catch he just wasn't utilized so I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, okay, so now they got these the extension of the offensive line, and he's going to be a weapon in the passing game uh, for your, for a while there, and they're going to be able to build a nice rapport. Um, so I, I could definitely see them, see Ryan Finley stepping into a pretty good situation coming towards the middle end of this year uh, if, if, if the Andy Dalton doesn't end up fitting what they want to do. Uh, he's going in the fifth round of rookie, rookie drafts. He's pretty much free and super flex. I mean, if I'm going to draft a guy there and I'm a little bit quarterback needy, I think you could do a lot worse than Ryan Finley. And I think that he has a chance to start the end, towards the end of this year and maybe starting off next year and kind of be that Dak guy that comes in and gets drafted in the fourth that people don't really know much about. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy's actually really good. So just kind of understand and know Ryan Finley's name and have him on your priority waivers kind of coming around the preseason time. If he starts to look good, just understand that that's not by accident. You don't necessarily have to draft him, but I definitely want you to know his name. Um, my next is a combination. It's the Drew Sample, Foster Moreau. I talked about Sample a little bit. Uh, Moreau is a, a guy coming out of LSU who is being drafted as a blocker. Understand that basically it is him and Darren Waller in New, in uh, Oakland right now as the top tight ends. So there's really whole, not a whole lot there. Uh, Moreau is going to be a much better blocker. Waller is a fast a tall, fast receiver that could kind of split out probably, but it's, I, Moreau's probably going to be able to see the field fairly early. Uh, this is a team that made a lot of use of, uh, wow, I'm terrible with names. I apologize. Um, I want to say Delaney Walker, but I know that's not right, but Jared Cook. So understand how good Jared Cook was last year uh, for Oakland. I mean, he definitely filled a void, and they have upgraded and surrounded other talent with wide receivers and running backs that'll help kind of take the pressure off. But somebody's got to play tight end there. Uh, they could split time, but I just don't see Darren Waller progressing as much of a blocker. So I think Moreau could be used in goal line and maybe have a bigger role than people realize. Uh, he's an athletic guy. He's not like he doesn't. He's kind of like Sample where people just don't know him because he didn't do a whole lot in college. But that doesn't mean that he can't do it in the NFL. 
Uh, so, I mean, if you're picking a guy with your last pick or something, you could, and you need a tight end, tight end premium league. I think those are two guys that have an, a, a position that they could produce earlier than later and be big steals. And people will be like, well, how did you know to draft those guys? Like draft capital matters. I mean, it's a combination of everything, but you don't take a tight end in a second just to be a strict, strictly a blocker. So I like, I like sample there. I think that he could definitely be a guy to watch out for. Um, next, next up is going to be John Ursua. He is the wide receiver from Hawaii. He is a slot guy and he's drafted in the seventh round by the Seahawks who took three receivers in the draft. But Ursua stands out to me as being the eventual Doug Baldwin replacement. He had 1300 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns last year at Hawaii. If you just watch his highlights, I mean, the guy looks like he's just never covered. He's always finding a way open. He knows how to use the guys around him to get those rubs and to get open. I mean, he looks like he can just read a defense and know where to run and fall to get the best shot to get the ball in his hands. And you don't you don't have 16 receiving touchdowns by accident. You have a nose for the end zone. Just an easy way. I just see him being the eventual slot receiver there. I like him a lot. Uh, he, he was great on his go routes and the second best route was a slant route. So he's got versatility there. He, he uh, he, he's going to be paired up with Russell Wilson. And th those are, that's just something that if you watch Doug Baldwin, it just, he knew where to be at the right time. And I just see Ursua being that guy for Russell Wilson. And I think that he could possibly step up and start in year one, but he might be a guy you're more taking for year two or year three where he steps into that Baldwin role and he ends up getting almost 100 catches and 1,000 yards a year. Uh, so, I mean, this probably won't be the highest pass volume offense, but even last year they at times were able to make it work. So just kind of understand that Ursua is there for a reason. It's not an accident. DK is going to be the guy that everybody thinks is going to step up and be this huge guy. I think DK will have a role, but I think Ursua's upside where he's going to play in the offense, I think is actually more valuable than what DK will do for that offense. Uh, it's hard to say. I know that people are going to be like, oh, they drafted DK in the second. You're just being dumb. I go, just look and understand that both the best receiver on their team the last, at least for most of the time, was uh, Doug Baldwin. Tyler Lockett's going to have a role and he's going to be effective in that role. Believe me, like I like Tyler Lockett a lot. I think he's a top 24 wide receiver. I don't see DK being anywhere close to that. And I think Ursua could be the guy underneath that kind of is right in between um, the, between uh, the, the numbers that Russell Wilson is going to end up targeting quite a bit. Uh, the last one I kind of want to talk about is going to be Dylan Mitchell. Uh, Kind of saw him when I was looking for the Oregon quarterback just to kind of see, try to get a feel for him for next year. And Dylan Mitchell was his go-to guy there. It seemed like every time he was throwing the ball, it was going towards Mitchell, and Mitchell was able to make a great play and just catch the ball. Uh, he had almost 1,200 yards at Oregon last year. Great hands. It seems like he's able to position himself to get the ball and get, get so the defender can't get it, and he catches it. Uh, I think it probably would have benefited him to stay in college another year. I think he probably could have been drafted higher, but he was still drafted nonetheless, so you can't say it was really a mistake to come out. He's going to go to a good offense with a steady quarterback with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Uh, he has uh, Diggs and Thielen ahead of him, but 
after that, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him being the number three or four receiver for them. And if a guy gets hurt, he could get extended playing time and really surprise people. It seems like the Vikings have kind of had a way to find these guys late and really turn them and make them into all-stars every year. So just kind of understand that that's a development thing. Like we'd say the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, with Deontay Thompson, that's what people are kind of going for. Like, oh, watch out. They, they push out receivers. Well, guess what? The Vikings do as well. And I think Dylan Mitchell has a lot of talent. He was a guy that I kind of expected to go a little higher than he did. But here he is. I think he's in a great situation and a great fit in Minnesota with a good quarterback throwing to him. Understand, too, Adam Thielen isn't young. He's already 28. So he's got a four-year contract that he signed this year, which put him ending at his 32, age 32 season. So that's kind of right when Dylan Mitchell would be coming out for his second uh, contract. And there's just kind of a wall that receivers a lot of times hit where it's like, well, I'm 30 years old and it's just, it just kind of hits. It's quick. And it's, it seems like time after time, except for maybe the rare legends like Larry Fitzgerald or Jerry Rice, there's just kind of a wall there at 30. So you're looking at year two, year three for Dylan Mitchell being able maybe to kind of step up in that slot role and take over for Adam Thielen a little bit. So just kind of understand that. Uh, they drafted him in the seventh, meaning they didn't want to go without him. And I think that's kind of a big deal. Like a lot of times you'll see those guys draft in the seventh round because the team doesn't want to go without them. So just understand that the Vikings felt enough about him that they decided to try to take him uh, and make something out of him. Um, another guy I, I kind of have a little extra time. So I just kind of want to talk about is going to be Travion Williams. I think he goes to a really good situation in Cincinnati. Behind Joe Mixon, there's not a whole lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut the receiving back. Uh, he's on his last year of his contract. He's kind of expensive. I don't know that he really fits what they want to do. But if Joe Mixon would be to go down, I think Williams could possibly step up into that role and fill it really well. He's very talented. Coming out of Texas A&M was one of my top five backs that I liked. Uh, I he, I think he's a high-end handcuff at this point, but he could step up and be something if uh, Mixon it would happen to go down with an injury for any reason. I think he can run. He, he looks like he's a good receiver out of the backfield as well. He's a bigger guy. He's hard to tackle. I mean, he just he was very impressive on those runs that I saw last year. Um, so kind of look for him. He's going right about the 403. So that's a guy that I kind of like. Um Emmanuel Hall out of Chicago was drafted. He wasn't drafted, but it was more of a, a personality thing, I think, than it was a talent thing. I've heard that he had like a second round grade on him as a wide receiver. Uh, so understand that Hall's going to go into a situation with a lot of unproven and kind of gadgety guys in Chicago. He ran a 4-3-9 in, at the Combine. So it's not like he is just kind of some scrub that showed up. I mean, he could... He could definitely turn out to be a big part of that offense pretty quick. I mean, he's he was electric, and he had Drew Locke throwing to him. I think he's a little raw. I think he did well on certain things, but I don't think he had the best hands. I thought he could have been better in that. But if he can earn himself away onto the field here fairly early for the Bears, just don't be surprised. Um, Bruce Anderson coming out of Tampa, or coming out of North Dakota State to Tampa, is another guy that I'm kind of looking at going... This, this could be their receiving back pretty easily, I think. I mean, he looks good in space. He can get out there. He's got good hands. I think it's a guy that Bruce Arians could find a use for fairly early. And 
they didn't draft anybody, which everybody was really surprised about there. So just I I like Anderson quite a bit here in the late rounds. He's going right at the end of the fifth as a 5.09 right now. So I just I see him being a, a guy that people could really do a lot worse. I mean, he's going to the situation. The landing spot for him was about as good as any of them. And I don't think anybody sold on Rojo. People are trying to come out and say top 10 for Rojo. I don't know that. So just know Bruce Anderson's name. Understand what he can do there. Um, Preston Williams going to Miami. He was one of my favorite receivers to watch coming out of Colorado State. Uh, I was really surprised he wasn't drafted. He ends up with Miami. He's a big guy. So I think that he's 6'4", 211, and he can run. And I just, I was very surprised that he wasn't drafted. I thought his contested catchability, run after the catchability were there. Uh, maybe a little bit raw, but some, I mean, with those physicals, just a guy that I thought people were going to try to take a chance on and apparently didn't. But uh, with a new coaching staff coming in there in Miami, maybe they find a way to use him and develop him. And after a year or two, he's a guy that you're looking at going, wow, he was pretty, pretty good. So uh, those are probably my top guys that I'm going after in drafts. Um, I said, I tried to get you some late guys. Cause I feel like those guys are the guys that people don't cover. Uh, I, I think that it's important to get you information cause I hope you're listening to other podcasts besides me right now. And I know kind of, it seems like every time you turn on a podcast, everybody's kind of trying to talk about the same thing. So here I'm trying to be a little different, get you some different perspective on some guys to help you maximize your draft especially in the later rounds when if you hit on those guys it's basically a freebie because the chances of hitting on them really aren't that high um so keep listening in we're going to keep coming back to you with more content each week uh just uh thanks for listening and come back to the dynasty zone